Kia ora and welcome back to the Stories Unleashed podcast and I'm your host Shay Waihi. It's been a minute, a hot minute. I haven't interviewed anyone in such a long time, but today we've got um, Fanong of mine. Um, we've got a black fern, someone that um, has been very inspirational in our family and um, is here to speak about their journey. So um, with no further ado, we have Nana Dean Simpson. Well, Nan, thank you very much for joining us today and um do you just want to give the the viewers a bit of a background on yourself, where you're from, um, where you grew up, and who you are? Oh well, to all the viewers out there, thanks for um, for checking in. And um, yep, uh, kia ora moko. It's a it's a pleasure to be here and and to have a conversation with you. So um, I grew up in well, I was born in Rotorua to um to some great people uh uh Jim Simpson and and Janet Mackey and um, my parents lived in Rotorua for a while because that's where my dad was from and then we moved back to Gisborne to help take care of our grandparents who were aging and my grandmother ended up in a wheelchair so when I was one year old um we moved from our beautiful home in the Ford block of Rotorua that our dad had built beautiful big home and we moved back to Gisborne and lived with our grandparents. And now I was a, um, the only girl in my family and brought up with three brothers. Um, and I suppose my rugby career started on the back uh, lawn of our neighbours, the Tamatees. They used to love watching us run around and they allowed us to play on their, um, their lawn because ours was a bit uneven and a little bit hilly. They had a flat patch. And so the, the, our neighbours allowed us to, to play on their lawn. And so that's where I learnt my trade, was playing with my cousins, um, my brothers, Victor and Henry, and then my cousins, Paho, Joseph and Claude, really. Um, and then we used to go to Tolaga Bay and our granduncle would line us all up in a pom and he would teach us how to tackle. Now, if you can imagine when we were growing up, you only had one TV and of course, everyone sits in the lounge and we, we only had a small lounge at Incliffe Road in Gisborne and we sat at the feet of our grandparents. And of course, rugby was one of the main games that was on TV. And every time the All Blacks played, didn't matter what time of night it was, we'd be up all watching. And so for weeks, everyone would analyse, pull apart, you know, the All Black win or loss. And... Um, and if the All Blacks lost, um, the whole household was depressed. And so you you learn to live the game, love the game. And, um, you know, like many houses, you use salt and pepper shakers to to look at moves. And, and, um, and so, you know, while the men in my house were doing this, because there were more men than female during those days that lived in our house. So, um, yeah. Oh, that was my love of the game, and that was born from probably living it. Now, my granduncles were Māori All Blacks on my grandmother's side, on my mum's side, and on my dad's side, um, my dad's, I think he was a cousin, Johnny Simpson was an All Black. So we were quite talented. The Simpsons were quite talented, and so were the Kutias. They were good rugby players and the Leeches. So um, that's been... Um, a little bit of the background and the love of the game, rugby. Um, and I I probably, a poignant moment in my life was um, the day my brother was named as an All Black. And, you know, you all sit in the lounge on the floor and, um, and they announced the team. And my brother got to go to, I think it was Argentina back then. It was a long time in the 80s. Anyway, he should have been, I think, he should have been an All Black a couple of years before that. Anyway, for whatever reason, he became an All Black. And um, just to see my grandparent, my grandmother's face and my parents' face when, and, and I must say my uncle's, when my brother's name was called out on the TV. And um, the thrill and the... Oh, it's hard to explain the what the room felt like, what our lounge felt like, but the just the huge smile on their faces. 
And I will never forget that day. So you can imagine when there was an opportunity for me to trial for the Black Ferns. Oh, I just thought, gee, wouldn't it be great if, you know, I could be named in the team and would my parents and would my grandmother and my uncles and aunties feel the same about me? And so, um, yeah, I was fortunate enough. Um, I moved down to Christchurch and I was for fortunate enough to meet a guy, um, Laurie O'Reilly, who was then coaching the Black Ferns. And um, he come around, he was good mates, coached my brother, Victor. And he came around and he said, come on, put on a pair of boots. Now, I had been playing um, socially in Gisborne for GMC. And, you know, we'd throw a team together and play different clubs in Gisborne, but it, we didn't have a serious competition back then. Were you playing with, with like a mixture of like females and males or was it just? Uh, no, females. So we actually threw some women, uh, some women teams together back then. And so, you know, I played alongside my cousin, Pauline Harpu, and there were a few of us that played for GMC. Um, uh, Henny Stewart, oh, well, she's Corkery. Henny Corkery was our halfback. Uh, Myrna Delamere, oh, Myrna was an old tiger. But, you know, just to name some people, they were older than me, but, boy, they were legends. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to play alongside them um, at home. And, and they were pretty hard and tough. And then when I moved to Christchurch uh, the following year, uh, Laurie came around and asked me to go and play, which I did, and, um, you know, the rest is history. Um, I think my biggest, my biggest support back then was my brother Victor. So he used to, he spent a lot of time coming to our, our club trainings and really getting in behind our Canterbury, or our university team our women's team, and he supported us big time. Laurie was our coach, but he came to give Laurie a hand. And um, and I will be very, uh, always indebted to my brother. So my brother taught, you know, besides my granduncle, Ganapom, Victor reinforced, reinforced the tackle, making sure her head was in the right place. Uh, Laurie was big on contact, making sure you had good body contact so you didn't get injured. So they taught you the fundamentals really well. And I think I look at rugby now and I think, oh, we're all trying to get flash. This is that schoolboy and even super rugby. And we're forgetting about the basics and the fundamentals. That's why I like going back and watching um, first 15 football. And our, and our boys like to throw it around. And women's rugby is very similar to first 15 rugby. We like to throw it around. We'll kick, but we like to throw it around. We're back ourselves and we've got nothing to lose. And so, um, yeah. Um, so that's a bit about um, me. Um, I was fortunate enough to tour, so I got a few jerseys. So, you know, I played against Canada, America, England, France, Australia, and maybe a couple others. But um, women's rugby. So, you know, in my day, um, so I started the haka. I, um, before we went to Canada on a tour, you know, last minute, didn't really have a woman's haka composed for the Black Ferns. So I used the verse out of Kaupanapana. And I asked um, a good friend of ours from Ngāti Parau, who was living in Christchurch, Ross Paniora, who went to uni with Vic to give me a hand. And we took the, the, um, a verse out of Kapanapana, and we used that for the Black Ferns' first haka ever. And that was good, and it was made me proud that I could lead a haka from home. Um, but I knew I had to get support before I did that, so I spoke to people like Hōhua Tūtangai here, who had an, um, where I was living in Christchurch, who supported me, and also um, I had a whole heap of respect for um, awesome crower, amazing, and um, and was doing great things in the community in Christchurch and in the South Island at that time, even though he was from Tauranga Moana. Very knowledgeable, lovely guy. So he, he had influence in my life at that time, so I went to him. I actually phoned Uncle Toko, um, my Uncle Toko Takani, who's always supported me, always been there, um, 
and outside my parents has been my was my mainstay my uncle um always proud always nominating nominating me for awards that I never won um but consistently and I will be ever grateful to my uncle but he loved the game he was a good footballer as well he loved the game um and and they knew I was serious about the game and they they supported me so uh uncle uncle gave me that the go yeah babe use the you know use the haka hohua I was hanging with Eva Rickard here from Waikato very uh staunch activist um nan and she had she had was making an impact in my life at that same time spoke to my own grandmother um and she was cool i think i had a conversation with derek way back um even auntie queenie reedy um and they were very supportive it was putting our culture and of course we were from home so it puts puts us on the on on the stage but they were supportive of me using the haka one thing they said is don't be like men you're not a male this is a woman's haka so have a woman's stance what and was so the, i always remembered that what was so the, they didn't want us what to get the buy down like from, a, sorry hey? what was no? the what was the buy-in from the the team were they quite into that as well oh well the team were um I suppose the majority of the team were Māori and Pacific Island. So they were all for it, you know. Most of us were brown. They were all for it. It was a novelty for the non-Māori, but they were open to it. Mm. And so we had, we, you know, we spent hours. You know, I wanted them to do this haka with pride, but I wanted them to do it properly. So we had hours of practice and, um, and yeah, I think we did it proud. And but it was always under the understanding that the rugby union or the Black Ferns would compose their own haka in the future. This was just to get us, you know, going. But they would always have their own haka in the future, which they have to this now, which is awesome. Hmm. But I always remember the lessons from our aunties was like, now remember your woman, not men. So, you know, they didn't want us getting down low and legs wide apart like a man mm. um but just re just making sure that we we held our female stance so um yep so that was that um i was fortunate enough to be captain but you know rugby's not a it's a team sport and um i was fortunate when i came along we had lots of leaders within our group mm. and so you know i might have had the c next to my name but there were other captains, you know, mm. there that, you know, there already before before me. And so I was big on culture. You're as weak as your weakest link. And so, um, you know, it's for me was important that everyone came along on the journey. No one got left behind. And, um, and management were part of building that culture. And at the time we had some, we had a great female coach when I first started out, or who really was a game changer, Vicky Dombrowski. And um, she's still around and from Taranaki. And um, yeah, she, I think she saw some, some leadership, some leadership qualities in me. And um, I think we what when you're brought up at a marae and in a big family, you have to make things work in the back. So you have to be able to move people and move them quick. Mm. And sometimes when you move, you move under pressure. You know, so imagine a tangi. You know, someone dies today. You're going. You're calling. And then you're booking the, you know, you're ringing somebody, then you're going to the bar and then you're killing meat and, you know, all that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I think she saw some, some um, qualities in me and, um, and wanted to build a new team, a different look, a culture that she knew was right. 
mm. and would um, go down well with with a Maori majority of a Maori and Pacifica uh, makeup. Mm. And so um, I bought into her. Um, I bought into her um, the style of game, her game plan, and um, yeah, I think I think we were a good mix. And then also um, Daryl Suasua was in the mix. Now he was someone, and he was young. But he had some some quite um, real big, uh, well, not big, but exciting ideas a way the woman's game should develop, and I think he he helped between him and Vicky put us on the map, on the world stage, really. So Laurie set the foundations, and Laurie was awesome, Laurie O'Reilly. But I think what Daryl and them did was then pick up what Laurie had had set those foundations and then built upon them. Mm. Now, I think back in my day, I don't think the union thought we would last. I think the union thought we were going to be a flash in the pan. Mm. You know, we weren't... Um, we were going to come and then we were going to fizz out. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they realised that the woman was really serious about the game and how much they loved and were passionate. And I think too, like looking at um, like the World Cup just gone, it just shows like the level of rugby is very high, and 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 it is very exciting. And you could see that the amount of bums and seats. In, in that final, in the semi-final, and even just right throughout the tournament, it was actually good to be able to see women's rugby showing in a way that it, it deserves to be shown. Because I, I feel like prior to 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 this, even this World Cup, it hasn't really been given the coverage from New Zealand rugby as much as it, it, it deserves. But that might be just my opinion. But is that is that sort of where you're leading on? in your last sort of statement saying that they didn't they thought you were going to fizzle out and that's they didn't think that the rugby was as entertaining as it is with the men is that what their mindset was uh, yeah I, I i really thought i i really oh and i think some of them that were sitting on the board at the time some of the men that were sitting on the board at the time and you see that's the difference with culture Māori Pacifica, we know we have a love of the game. Mm. But you had Pākehā men sitting there, white, old, stale Pākehā men, that thought, oh, these women aren't going to last, they're going to go away. But we didn't go away, and we weren't going to go away. Um, and the, I don't think they believed in the women's game, and... I don't. I really think the woman, and even this year, I really think the the not so much Farah, but her colleagues outside the woman, right outside the woman that involved the male. I don't believe they thought women's rugby would be as marketable as it played out to be. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And I don't think they thought um, we would appeal to sponsors. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, we, absolutely. We don't. We don't want to be all blacks because we're not the all blacks. We're not men. We can't. We can never be an all black. What we want to have is a brand of women's football. We mm. we're black ferns. We've started a, a, our own brand, and we. It's like the um, silver ferns. It's like the white ferns and the cricketers. We don't want to be men. We can't be men. We've got a different style of game. Mm. But we want the opportunity to show our wares. And what the Rugby World Cup did in New Zealand is allow our own people in Aotearoa to see women at a top level. Mm. And we were given a platform to be able to do that. I was so happy when they went to TV3, you know, because before we were paying, we had to pay Spark, and then they... You know, the semi-final and the final, it was on TV3, so it was public. 
I was so happy because more people got to see, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I'm saying in our own country, in our own country. And I, and I also want to say too, like I watched that semi-final, well, and the final as well, but I watched that semi-final against France. And in my opinion, that was probably the best game of this year for a New Zealand team. Because, I mean, the All Blacks to me have been underperforming. But it was that type of rugby that you don't really see very often where you're on the edge of your seat. You don't know who's going to win. And it can go either way. But both teams were just absolutely like unreal in terms of effort areas, the small effort areas right across the board. They just played an unbelievable game. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you try and analyse that, why? Because they've had to fight for everything. Women have mm. to fight for everything in this space. Mm. And so, you know, fighting for something and believing, believing. They believed in their, their management. They believed in themselves. They believed in their, their game plan. And by hell or high water, they were going to execute it, no mm. matter what, what it cost them. And what I believe, and I haven't had a chat to those girls, but they would have died trying to execute that. That's how much they believed in one another. And mm. even the girls that didn't take the field, they they still won that game because what they did off the field to make the other 22 or 26 that took the field be able to accomplish what they did. They wouldn't have been able to do it without those, well, we call them dirt trackers, I don't know, in my day. But those girls that didn't get to take the field and strip, they would have been crucial to that win. Absolutely. And, and now, to lead on from that, um, you've obviously watched that a long period of rugby. Where do you see it going from here? Obviously, it's you've spoken just about how marketable it can be and is shown to be. Um, where do you see it going from here? And, and what's your thoughts on how it's evolved from your time to where it is now? I I had my doubts prior to the World Cup. I just I just felt the they didn't quite get the the marketing support, the communication. Even I would have thought, why are you taking the games up north? Mm. Why don't you bring them to Hamilton or the Bay of Plenty? Um, but hindsight, yeah, okay. Um, uh, up north, you know, Whangarei, the council, the union really got behind. If that's the Blues region, they really got behind and and helped with the World Cup. Um, I think the game has to be, well, this is what I think. I think we have to look at the pay for the Black Foods. You know, we need to start moving away. You know, it's about this gender pay gap. And long ago on other days when the male is the main income earner. Hey. And so, um, and, and I'm not saying that the woman should be paid exactly the same as the male. No, but they should be paid a decent wage. They've still got a mortgage to pay. They've mm. still got families. They've got children. They've still got to feed them, you know. And if we want them to be the best black ferns in the world, then they've got to be able to uh, pay a mortgage, feed their kids, feed themselves and train, Absolutely. okay? And even if they have to work part-time, but, you know, 70K is not something they can survive on, pay a mortgage. You know, when I think when I was playing, you know what? I say probably about, I don't realise how much money I spent on physio, gyms, and keeping myself fit and on the paddock mm -hmm. a year. So when I retired from international rugby, I was able to put <laughs> a driveway down in my house, build a, a, build a, um, a deck, a big, and this is a huge deck, build a deck, put a driveway down and put power in my garage. Because that was the money I saved from that, not spending. That's unreal. And because like, I also think too with, with the women, because um, it's the English team, if I'm not wrong, they've been professional for longer than the Black Ferns. Is that, is that right? Um, yeah. And I know obviously the Black Ferns won, 
but you could definitely see the difference in professionalism in the English players compared to the Black Ferns, just because you could see how how much effort the English rugby has put into the Black Ferns. And I'm not saying New Zealand rugby doesn't put that much effort into the Black Ferns, but well, they don't. Let's be real, they don't. But my worry is, is that the rugby union will think, oh, well, we don't need to put the investment that England's put into their players because, look, so that mm. actually can work against us. I'm hoping yeah. it won't. I'm hoping the union will invest more money into women's rugby. The, the problem I have for women's rugby is where's the feeder still into women's rugby? Other than schoolgirls rugby, mm. we don't have like an under 21 grade or something like that, you know? It's like going from first 15 rugby straight into senior rugby. Yeah, There's yeah. no that in between. And I'd like to see something in between. It's just to... Sometimes, you know, we have these young kids that come out of school and they get wasted at women's rugby and they don't come back. But actually, they're pretty good. But they've just jumped a level too high too soon. So we mm. just need some training, you know, some development programs and a whole heap of things. And I think if we want to develop the women's game, we need to invest in some women's coaches. Now, there are some coaches out there but the unions need to be brave and invest in them and have the likes of the Carlos Spencers alongside them and the Damien Coronas and whoever else wants to be, but grow the woman coach as well. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's so there's potential there. It's still got a way to go. I'm so thrilled for the Black Ferns at the moment. I'm so thrilled. Um, I think we've got some good young uh, women coming through in Ruahei who's, you know, who sh they, even though they're winning awards, they're showing humility. And that's the thing that I love about them. Mm. Her and Ruby is that they're not, you know, they're saying, yep, yeah, we got the award, but just remember it's a team thing. And they're right. They're right. Um, and um, that excites me. Whereas, you know, you go and look at the All Blacks, they win an award and it's all about them. See, that's the difference with the Pacifica and Māori person. Yeah. And 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 I think too they're authentically themselves too. You can see, yeah. especially through Ruby, she all her interviews, she's just being herself, and that's what catches people and and wants and makes them want to see more of the woman and, and herself as well. Um, what is what is what does life look like for you now after rugby? Um, do you still get down and and go watch some code, or or do you just stick to the TV stuff? Well, no, so I um still watch a bit of football. So I like to go and watch a little bit of first 15 football when I can. Um, follow the mukapunas or the um and that's girls and boys, you know, follow them playing football, touch whatever's going. Um, so I try and support them. Um, but it's about I think for us is about um just being there to support the kids. Um, and, uh, you know, when the kids get opportunities, um, is to encourage them to step up, be brave, um, because sometimes it can be daunting for them. But for me, is I have, I have another life. So, um, you know, uh, I support my husband. He does a lot of work in the community around... Um, cultural stuff mm. and so a lot of my life is is um following him around to Wananga, um which i enjoy which i've learned and um yeah that's my life boy i don't have a weekend um and when we get to watch rugby or cricket or netball um so yeah we go to netball because my husband loves watching um the magic team so but um yep we're still big on sport, um, try and get to the gym a bit and stay fit. But, you know, that's that's a lot to do with eating. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think we'll die being a sport fanatic, but um, do have a, another life in, you know, trying to support the whanau um, wherever I can, but need to go home a lot more. I need mm. to come back to Gizzy a lot more and touch base and yeah. um 
and rekindle my fires because I've been up and I've been away for a, a, a too, way too long, boy. So hopefully my my thing is in the next few years is to be able to move home. Right now is not a good time. You know, when you get older, you've got some health issues. And um, unfortunately, Gisborne Hospital needs to up their game. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully one day move home and um, support the whanau and be there, you know, to help, um, you know, I take my hat off to my, um, to Derek and the Matwhangara and, you know, cousin Jazz and and Min and all of them and Keitakani and them that, that stoked the fires at Whangara and then of course we got, you know, my cousin Charlotte and um Gibson and June and you know trying to keep things going and um mm. and you know I, I look at what Nick Tupera's cousin Nick's doing and trying to give us uh you know a, a, a platform and a stage for Ngati One One in our territory so um we have a narrative and our voice is heard so I'm always mindful that our cousins are at home keeping our fires burning but you know I need to think about my role and how I support them and not from a distance you know is is being there to support them really on the ground and so um yeah I always I, I suppose when you get older boy you start to think about that Mm. And I'm so glad that my other cousins are there and trying to, you know, step up on the pie pie and I won't name them, but they're trying to make an effort. And, you know, you can't knock anyone from making an effort. Um, and then um, and then, how do we create a space for our kids and mukapuna to come through? They mm. probably have the language, have the culture. And then how do we nurture them and how do we allow them a space to come through, um, even though we might be their nannies or their aunties and uncles, because, mm. you know, we don't, some of us don't have the language. So how do we create a space? So I'm always thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and empowering our youth. Um, because I know when I was growing up, Uncle Tuckle definitely tried to empower me, and so did my grandparents, and so did the um, people around me. And so how do I return that? How do I empower your generation and the next generation after you, boy? Mm. Um, and that's not to say that you tell us how to suck eggs. It's we have the wisdom and the experience, and so and you have the passion and the energy so how do we bring that all together? Because at the end of the day, it's about upholding the mana of our whānau, our hapu, our marae, our iwi. Mm. Hey, and we need to be strong. And um, because people will come and test us. They will test us. Yeah. And we already were tested at Pohorawari a couple of weeks ago. Um, people will eye up our pai pai and think, mm, okay, are they strong enough? Oh, well, let's test them. Hey, so, um, and um, we need to be brave enough and we, um, but we also need to understand, so um, how things play out and, and what our role is mm. so um, that everyone's safe. And so, you know, I go home and I look at our pai pai and it's the same ones and I think, shit, um, <laughs> you know, and it's our generation because, you know, you know, you think you're still young. So you look around and think, oh, no, you know, you look at your cousin, but it's your generation because mm -hmm. your aunties and uncles are old or sick or dying out, you know, and even our generation, my older cousins are passing. And so it's how do we support? And, yeah, so, you know, as I get older, as much as I love sport, it's also about how do I support my marais how do I support, support the whanau? Um, and I'm really looking forward to the Kutia reunion. Mm, and yeah. I'm hoping I don't have any children of my own, but I'm hoping that my brothers will bring back their children and mokopuna, um to make that connection. Because growing up as a child, I had a great time. You know, I think of your grandfather 
um, and his brothers and sisters and um, and the impact they had on my and the role they had on my life, boy. Mm. Um, and it was huge. It was huge. And um, and I think about the work that your grandfather, Uncle Kohi, and my father did at the Marais. So my dad's Pahia. But, you know, Uncle was always there fixing up the plumbing and my dad was the builder. <laughs> and I used to go out with them. And, you know, especially to Whangara, and they'd also fix up headstones and Urupa from Tolaga, all over the place. Mm. And they enjoyed it, and they enjoyed each other's company. But that was their contribution to the hapu, to the whānau, and they did it. They didn't get paid, you know. And I look at my generation, the next gen, they want to be paid. Well, you know, our, our parents never got paid. Our grandparents never got paid. Where's the voluntary? Where's the kind? Where's the... Not everything's about money. And you can learn so much, you know, in those contexts. But, you know, I I had a great life as a child. Um, had some great role models, aunties, uncles. And um, my mum was close with the, with the kūtia and the nikora whānau and um, loved her cousins and um, they were like brothers and sisters and so you know I look at um, my cousins my big cousins and I just adore them um, because they nurture us they mm. nurtured me they look after me even still today they boss me around you know um, and I laugh because that's their those are my tuakana. That's their role. Mm. And, um, of course, I will follow. And if I'm not happy, they know me, I'll ask a question. But, you know, most times they've nailed it. They've got it right. <laughs> and so, um, of course, I will support them and follow them. Um, because they, we all come from great things, boy. And mm. so our job is to open doors, clear pathways, and grow good role models like you and um, future generations. So I excites me when I see our mokopuna doing well and our great mokopuna, um, and um, we must allow them to flourish. Yeah. So probably that's me, boy. Yes. Yeah. me. Well, you, you sort of touched it on the head, really, like um, that reunion will be awesome for the likes of myself who sort of grew up in Hastings and didn't have much um, connection to um to home almost you know we, we would come back for holidays but we didn't really all intimate all weren't there at the same time and you know there's cousins from afar that we know of but we don't we haven't met properly so it's the perfect opportunity for us to sort of mix and mingle and then the other thing is you know obviously going for university now a lot of my other you know generation would have done the same and they bring different skill sets that we can all bring back to to the marae and and utilizing yeah as you say it's not about money it's about giving back and um just all contributing um together because you know that's where we're from and and we should be looking after that place um i just want to finish off with some um with one more question and then some quick fire questions for you um if you had any advice to give um or well, anyone but in particular maybe a little girl that's uh, aspiring to to do some of the things that you've done in your life, what what would that advice be? Oh, for me is um, don't ever think you have to walk in somebody else's shadow. Mm. You know, um, I look at what we've done in the Black Ferns in the past is we've cut a path and we've opened a door. Now you step through that and you cut your own path. And I think that's what the this new set of Black Ferns are starting to do today. What we did is we smashed the door open. So now they reap the benefits. But you know what? They're doing awesome. They've taken it to the world stage, exactly what we wanted to do. We hope that it would have been earlier. But, hey, it's all about timing. And um, so, to you know, my mokopono or someone who loves the game, you go and do what you have to. We're all here behind you, and you're made of great things. So, um, you know, go and cut your own path. Mm. Awesome advice. Um... So some quick fire questions. Hopefully they're not too hard, but uh, what are your top three songs in your playlist? 
my three songs. Oh, well, I'm a bit of an Aaron Neville and Whitney Houston, and um, my husband's a blues fan, but hey, you know what? I'm big on Tui Teka. Um, and probably um, I miss my mum so much. Uh, I can't remember. My mum uh, passed away yesterday, on that day yesterday, and so did our papa, uh, Victor Kutia. So the 23rd of November is quite a big day. Um, and I remember, so my mum right now is in my mind. So, you know, when Prince Tui Teka sings that way, I thought, oh, mum. <laughs> you know, I think of my mum. Um, I'm a bit of a Bob Marley fan, but yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a singer, as uh, cousin Charlotte will laugh about. But um, yeah, but I, I do like a good uh, sing at a party. Uh, <laughs> So, um, but yeah, I've got a range of, of Waiata. Jimmy um, Cliff, Jimmy Cliff, Rob Ruha, <laughs> Macy, I love them. Um, and I really like the lyrics of Kaho, the kids coming out. Mm. So, um, and the old Mukupuna Gracie. But you know, my biggest fans that I love singing is Charlotte, my cousin Charlotte Gibson. Ah, she can sing. And so can Mere. Uh, Mere Takani, so um, they're my biggest fans. Uh, well, I'm a big fan of them, actually. Fan, fan girling at the moment <laughs> over my cousins, but they they um, they're quite humble about their greatness. But they can sing, and so can my niece Janie, Janie uh, Mere Skill. She can sing. So yeah, those are my. They they can sing. <laughs> Um, what's your greatest achievement? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't look at um. Or might be one of my greatest achievements is um being um a trustee on our marae pohorauri. Um, a big responsibility. Uh, probably another one is being on the Poalha A one. Uh, land trust I don't take those um those responsibilities lightly it's like the whanau or the landholders or the hapu have um voted me in and I don't take that lightly and I'm thrilled um that they have supported me in those roles so I'm not a trustee of Poho, but I was for a while and I used to travel five hours from Gisborne once a month to go back to the Marae meetings. That was my commitment. They were challenging. I loved it. Um, and after years of doing that, I think five years, I struggled to keep going back because of my job once a month. Um, and But that's a commitment. Mm. And nowadays, we've got um, Zoom. So maybe, maybe <laughs> uh, that could be a future thing. Um, but um, yeah, I think for me, those were my that's my greatest achievement has been um, when my whanau and my hapu believe in me and put mm. me in positions. So I have to say that I don't I haven't had any children. I can't say being married um, or I've been married three times. So um, <laughs> um, so I don't want to say that. <laughs> um. What's the best piece of advice you've received from someone? Oh. Tough question. Yeah. Oh, I've I've received quite um a number of things. I think um I have to say um you know, I was always brought up to, um, I was allowed to have a voice in our house, even though, how many of us? At one stage in our house in Gisborne, there were 14 of us that lived in a little three-bedroom Māori Affairs home. So I don't know how we squashed in there. My cousins ended up living with us. And with our grandparents, parents, my brothers, my uncle, and some of my first cousins. Great house wouldn't have it any other way lots of kai clean house um and so but we were given a voice in that house our parents allowed us to have a voice our grandparents okay but one thing eva rickard did say to me is 
believe in yourself be wary of people <laughs> and and trust your gut feeling yeah 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 well I, I've, I've always heard that kind of stuff um especially um believe in yourself that's sort of something yeah. that always comes up hey eh? um yeah believe you gotta back yourself because if you don't moko no one will yeah and then you see it gets in here see rugby everyone thinks when you play rugby it's 95 percent physical and mm. oh no 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 95 percent very... is up here the five percent is physical Mm. You know, for me, the Black Ferns won the game before they took the field. Yeah. Because they believed in themselves. They believed in their game plan. They believed in everything was around them. Mm. And they knew they had the platform was Aotearoa and they had the country was backing them. They won the game before they even took the field. Yeah, absolutely. And because and um, my grandfather even gave me that that advice all the time was to believe in yourself, otherwise no one else will. So it's something I've always tried to keep in the forefront of my mind um, when doing anything, really. Um, would you rather go back in time or go to the future? No, I'm, 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 the past will inform where I want to go in the future. I'm, I want to go in the future. What does worry me about the future, if I can say this, Moko, for our for your generation and and those that are unborn is the virtual world. Mm. And I worry about we've we've got 182 years of trying to undo colonization. All right. And then we've got this virtual world. So you know we I don't want to live in an avatar world, but mm. We've got this world that's starting to be created. And so our mokopuna might not be doing so well in this real world. And then they go and put these goggles on and they're in this other world. My worry is when they come back, they don't want to come back. And two, how do they come back? And they might come back and commit suicide. So, you know, there's all these things out there for our mokopuna. So for me is, how do we allow them? Because they're going to go. Because we're Maui's. We're going to go and explore. <laughs> but how do we create safe spaces them, for them to go, mm. but to, to return to us? Yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying? To go and put these goggles on, have some fun, but come back and it's okay. It's just chairs here or it's just Nan here, but it's okay. Nan's going to give you a feed anyway. Mm. But do you get what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's kind of funny yeah, you say I, that. I though. worry about that. And that we lose our own cultural narratives. It's funny you say that though, way eh? because like from a teaching perspective and in, in my own sort of personal job, we always look at technology and that kind of space is the future and where where it's going to go and the benefits that adds. And we never look at the other side of the the story where the things that might take away. And I mean, looking at myself, I was probably one of the last sort of generations where we used a lot of paper to finish our our schoolwork and now teaching a lot of our our work's done using chromebooks or laptops etc and i've got four younger brothers that are still you know one's at high or two's at high school um, and then two are at primary school and even their digital capability is far more advanced than my own and i i would consider myself a young generation sort of person but um some of the stuff that they're doing and no in regards to their Chromebook is unbelievable. And I'm sure you'll probably face the same with your with your muckles and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then how do you get our, our muckles, you know, because I've got a couple of little darling muckles. One's going to be five in the next couple of days and the other one's eight. Mm. And, you know, they're always on their device or they're watching Netflix. And I think, you know, I what I do is I say, come on, we're going. And, you know, I take them to the playground or, so they're mm -hmm. running around for two, three hours. Um, and I think, gee, I've got to get them out more. And they're good. They love it. Don't get yeah. me wrong. They love it. They love that. Because where they live, they've got animals and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it's just when they come to my house and us being old, that I'm mindful that I don't want them sitting in front of the TV or on, on devices all the time. So 
it's good that we can get out. I can spend time, play hide and go seek and those sorts of things with my mokopunas. So mm. I have to make the effort to show them another world too. And they're yeah. good. These these little girls, I'm so lucky. They're lovely and good. Mm. Um, but I worry about too, too many devices and the impact of that. So... Um, yeah, but that's just me. I'm still excited about that virtual <laughs> world, though. Um, cheers, <laughs> and I want to know. Um, but yeah, that at, at the same time, I I worry. I worry. Mm. Um, what's your What's your favorite movie or TV show? Oh, I suppose uh, Modi with my nan in there, Eva Rickard. Okay, yeah. And that was put together by Merita Mita. But what I do like the documentary, I don't know if you've ever seen it, is the t t it's on TV New Zealand, it's TVNZ, and it's the Tamari exhibition. And I don't know if your generation knows anything about it and the impact of that. Um, that those Tonga going over to America and just mm. the platform that's it. So, um, yep, yeah, I'm. I'm I'll watch anything on Netflix. I like a movie. I like um <laughs> Bruce Lee. We've been brought up on Bruce Lee, so we're Bruce Lee fans. But <laughs> I'll watch any movie. But Modi is one I like. I'll have to I'll have to check both of those out. Um and if you were stranded on an island by yourself, what are three things you would want with you? I'd want my husband. Um, and the reason why is that he's used to um, living in a remote area and who can hunt, fish, <laughs> cook on a fire. He can start a fire from nothing. <laughs> um, so I want him. Um, what else could we, I think, I don't know, I haven't even bloody thought I've about had... that. I think I want a blanket. <laughs> I've had some outrageous answers in this. And question. I think I want a knife. <laughs> so husband, blanket and a knife? Knife, yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to do this. And to be honest, I know a couple of our whanaunga have been uh, on, on our backs about getting this done. But um, it's been real awesome to conversate and learn about your journey and the things that have impacted you, the people that have impacted you and where you think um, rugby and even the world is going to go next. Um, so, yeah, just thank you for that. And um, this will probably go out um, to the whānau in regards to the Kutia reunion. Um, for those that are viewing from my platform that don't know what that is, it's just a little whānau reunion that we've sort of organised. And then um, also it will go out on my platform uh, as a part of my podcast. So. Um, good little interview and um, episode to add to the ones I've already done. But um, yeah, thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Moko.